Thank you, Brother Rockney. And what an awesome reminder to us of the difference that it makes when our life is touched by the Master. When Jesus Christ comes in, it changes everything about us. This evening, um, we're going to be focusing on uh, our state of the, of the church address. And uh, as we go to that time together, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. And we thank you for the ministry of, of the past year in 2019. We thank you for the opportunities that you've given us in ministry. We thank you for the opportunities that you've given us missions-wise, both near and far. And Lord, we thank you for those souls, most importantly, that were saved, both here in our own community, within our own church, but also uh, around our nation and, and around the world because of the efforts of this particular church family. And so tonight, as we look at some of those successes and also as we look towards what you would have us to do in this year, Lord, I pray that our hearts might be stirred and, Lord, that we would make a commitment uh, to do the one thing that you've called us to do, to your honor and to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come together again this evening, it is my joy again this evening to declare to you that the ministry of Brian's for Baptist Church is thriving. And once again, we see that the best days are still ahead of us as a church. In 2019, the Lord blessed us. The Lord blessed us in some amazing ways uh, to do amazing ministry, uh, to do amazing missions uh, because of the opportunities that he has given to us. And, and those opportunities that were given, you have embraced. You've embraced each and every one of those with love and with dedication. Uh, just some of the highlights from 2019, we see the number of people in our Sunday school have, has increased, the number of people involved in our discipleship uh, has, has increased as well, the number of people joining us for worship on a weekly basis has increased, the number of families giving regularly, uh, especially those that are tithing, um, has increased and with that has come the ability for us to do even more in ministry and missions, um, as we said, from, from Brinesburg literally to the uttermost parts of the world um, because of that faithful giving. We've seen the completion of several of our uh, building projects, several of our remodeling projects over the past uh, year to 18 months. We've, we've seen uh, great progress in those areas. We see our missions involvement is still uh, one that amazes uh, folks throughout the state uh, to see a church our size and to see a number of you. Uh, who, who take off vacation, who, who are willing to give large amounts of money in order to go and to be on mission. It's an amazing thing. Um, our missions giving, again, through the cooperative program and our missions offerings, um, both the international missions offerings, North American mission offerings and others, uh, continue to make us a leader in the state, not just uh, per capita, but, but overall. Uh, your giving is, is amazing. Uh, we've seen our children's ministry under the leadership of, of Brother Rockney. Uh, it's never been stronger, and that's an exciting thing to see. We've seen our student ministry has seen a revitalization with uh, some of the restructuring that's taken place this fall, and we're excited to see that. Our, our music ministry, our choir ministry under uh, Brother Rockney's leadership uh, has seen significant growth. There's exciting things that are going on here at Bryansburg Baptist Church. And so, yes, 
Yes, the ministry of Brownsburg Baptist Church is thriving. Or is it? Each year, I bring to you a number of goals for the coming year. And we look at small group numbers, and that's usually a combination of Sunday school and discipleship. And we, we look at those numbers. We look at corporate worship numbers. For the most part, uh, those that are a part of, of what's going on during that 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings, we look at those numbers. We look at uh, the various ministries within our church. Uh, children's ministries, youth ministries, senior adult ministries, the music ministry, uh, all those different ministries within our church. And, and we set goals most often that are focused on numbers of folks participating. We look at missions involvement. And again, more often than not, that's based on numbers. We look at church giving based on numbers. And so what do all those goals most often have in common? Numbers. Numbers, numbers. And yet, what is the number that matters most to the Lord? It's one. One is the number that matters most to the Lord. Throughout Scripture, we find those who would label themselves as God's people focused on that which does not impress the Lord focused on laws, focused on works, like every other religion, striving to see if we can climb up high enough and be good enough to get to God, whereas we recognize in Christianity it's not about us striving to climb up to God, it's about the fact that our God came to us to rescue us. And so throughout Scripture we see this confusion. And in the Old Testament the focus was on laws and works, the people would strive to please the Lord through works of their, of their hands while still neglecting Him in their hearts. And we see that over and over and over again. We see that pattern, especially in the life of, of the children of Israel. And in Psalm 147, verses 10 through 11, he says, He delighted not in the strength of the horse. He taketh no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. In the Gospels, we see this same issue continuing on. We see Jesus dealing with the Pharisees. And you might remember the Pharisees were that Jewish sect within Judaism. Um, distinguished by strict observance of the traditions and, and of the law and commonly held to have a, a great uh, feeling of superiority to everyone else because they guarded the law. They saw themselves as guardians of the law. They literally built a fence of laws around the law in order to not come anywhere close to breaking the law in any part. And so in this, they thought that people should see them and, and that people should be impressed with the way they live their lives. But we see that throughout the Gospels, Jesus is anything but impressed. In Luke chapter 11, in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 42, it says, And as he spake, a, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him. And he went in and he sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, Now, do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter? But your inner part is full of ravenings and wickedness. 
Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe men and rue and all manners of herbs, and pass over judgment of the love of God. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Jesus says, you know what, you're so concerned with all the laws and keeping every law, crossing every T, dotting every I, while neglecting loving one another, loving God as God has called you to, serving Him as He has been, as He has called you to serve Him. But we also see Paul made it clear that relationship with Christ, not religious works, is what God seeks. And we see Paul uh, of course, known as Saul, had, had been a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, keeping every law in the strictest sense. In fact, Saul was on a mission to arrest followers of Jesus when Jesus himself confronted him on that road to Damascus. And he said to him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you striving to, to, to work against what I am doing? And I have, a, I have a mission for your life. And he turned Paul's life around and recognizing that it wasn't about laws and it wasn't about works, but it was about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And after Paul's encounter with Jesus, we see him preaching a message of grace and relationship with Christ rather than working our way to God, striving to do more and more good things to try to impress God and just recognizing that it's all about relationship with God. And we see him making that clear there in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. There Paul says that in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And we continue to see relationship with Christ being preached even by Jesus himself as he sends the letters to the churches there in Revelation. And the letter that I'd like for us to focus our attention on the rest of this evening is the address that he gives to the church of Ephesus. Because I believe this letter could have been written to us. He says, thou hast left thy first love. Here at Brinesburg we're known for some things around our community and, and around our state, good things. We're known for our giving, uh, literally around the state. Almost every year we are one of the leaders in giving. Uh, we're known for our, our giving through the cooperative program, uh, which is what helps to fund the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board and our six seminaries. And, and it, it's uh, what funds all of our state uh, mission work through the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And uh, that includes our, our uh, kids that we take care of at sunrise, all, all those things. Um, and, we, and we give. We give 18% right now. Uh, every dollar you give of undesignated giving, 18% of that goes uh, through the cooperative program to be a part of all those ministries that we, 
we give together with our other sister churches uh, to support. And we give, uh, as we just said, very, very faithfully uh, to our missions offerings, uh, to Lottie Moon, to Annie Armstrong, and, and support our international missionaries and our North American missionaries. And we give uh, to all these other special offerings throughout the year um, besides what we do and just giving so that we can do more and more within our own community. And your, your giving is, is, is seen and it's known and it's, and it's an encouragement to, to others within our own church as well as other, other sister churches see that and it's an encouragement to them. We're known for our going. Uh, it blows people's minds to see a church our size with the number of people going on mission, to see the number of people who uh, are willing to, to go to places like Brazil and Trinidad and, and Jamaica and China and different parts of Africa and, and Russia and just all the different places that we have been as a church family, um, but also to see the faithfulness in going to places like Eastern Kentucky. And, and our kids working it through Kentucky Changers and our Montana missions and our guys that have gone to Arizona in the past. Um, your mission's going is seen and it's an encouragement to folks. It, it, it's something that, that causes them to say, wow, what, what, an, what an incredible thing that, that that church is able to send so many folks on mission. We're known for having great orthodoxy. We, we know what we believe and we know why we believe it. We are known for holding to the Word of God as being inerrant. And infallible, that we, we believe every part of God's Word. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We believe that He lived a sinless, perfect life. We believe that He, he went to the cross and, and He died in our place. That he, he physically gave His life for us. We believe that, that He was buried in a tomb for three days. We believe in the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the third day. We believe that He's coming again for us. We believe the Bible teaches us that, that marriage is between one man and one woman. We believe that, that there is sanctity in every human life and that they should be protected. We're known for what we believe. Our orthodoxy is right. But when it comes to our first love, do we still have that white hot love for the Lord, for His gospel and the commission that He has given to us? That we had at the first. And that's the question that Jesus is asking to the church at Ephesus. And in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we see the words of Jesus. He says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden lampsticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and have borne and have patience. And for my name's sake hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith 
unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In Ephesus, I see a church that was known both near and far for very similar things as Brinesford Baptist Church. The church at Ephesus was known for having good work, for doing, for doing things that were good, for, for taking care of, of the folks around them. They were known for patient ministry. They kept on keeping on year in and year out, even in difficult situations. They had right orthodoxy. When someone said they were an apostle, they said, we're going to test it. We want to make sure that what you're teaching is right, that it lines up with what we know to be true. They didn't just let anybody get up and teach anything. They made sure that it was right. They made sure their orthodoxy was correct. Discerning spirits to know the truth. They, they, had, they, they, they had the ability to know when someone was telling them the truth and when someone was telling them something that was contrary to what God had already shared with them. It says they were laboring in ministry. They were laboring in missions. They, they, were, they were working hard for the Lord. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And we might scratch our head and say, what could you possibly have against that kind of a church? That sounds like, like a leading church in the association. Sounds like a leading church in the state. Seems like a leading church in the Southern Baptist Convention. What could you possibly have against them? And Jesus says, I see all that you have done, and it is good, but in the busyness of doing the good, you have missed out on the best. You have left your first love. It had become all religion and no relationship. There was flashy ministry, but there was really no eternal fruit being produced. And so if I were to ask you to stand this evening, and I was to ask you to share what you were reading during your last quiet time, would you have something to share with us? Could you remember? Can you remember what you heard from the Lord during your last time with Him? Has it been 48 hours or less? Has it been a week? Has it been past a month? Has it been past a year that you, outside of church times, that you opened up your Bible and just spent some time with the Lord? What would your answer have to be? If I were to ask you what your prayer times consisted of, if I ask you to describe something about that prayer time, could you go beyond saying, well, I've, I've been praying before meals and I've been praying with everybody at church, at church services? Could you go much beyond that? Can you remember the last time you quietly spent time with the Lord? Just you and Him for an extended period of time, just you and Jesus conversing together. Has it been so long that you can't really remember it very clearly? If I were to ask you to stand this evening and give testimony of someone that you have, you have shared the gospel with, would you have a testimony to share? Is there one testimony of one person that you've shared the gospel with in your entire life? Is there one testimony of one person you've shared the gospel with in this past year, 2019? It, would there be one testimony of one person that you've shared the gospel with this past month? 
with all the holiday gatherings that we've gone through? Did you share the gospel with somebody? Is there one testimony of one person that you've shared the gospel with in the past week? Would you have a testimony? In the past, I've had many goals. I believe this year, as a church family, we should have one goal. Jesus looked at Ephesus, and I believe he is looking at Brinesburg tonight, and he's saying, Remember, therefore, from whence thou hast fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Jesus has always been focused on the one. Always. Luke chapter 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? One. Jesus is concerned about one. Jesus passionately cares about your relationship with him. Jesus passionately is concerned about you. He died on that cross for the world, yes. But in a very real sense, he also died for you. As an individual, he knew that he was dying for your sin. If Jesus loves you that much, don't you think he deserves a reservation of time in your daily calendar? Don't you think that he deserves for you to carve out some time with him on a daily basis? If we can make time for Netflix and Disney Plus, if we can make time for coffee breaks and social media, if we can make time for, for high school, college, and pro sports, if we can make time for hunting and fishing, if we can make time for scrapbooking and sewing projects and every other activity that fills our daily calendar, then can we make time, daily time, for Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of our soul? That's the first work. That's the first love. And so throughout 2020, you're going to be challenged, as you already have been, to dive in to the Word of God and to immerse yourself in intimate times of prayer. And so uh, as you saw this morning, as, as was in your bulletin, uh, we have provided this year a, a Bible, one year reading through the Bible plan for you that is excellent. It, give, it gives you time in the Old Testament and in the New Testament each and every day. It leads you through it in, in chronological order where it makes sense, where it puts it together for you. Uh, it puts the pieces together where, where it, it kind of in Scripture explains itself to you uh, through the way that you're reading. And I believe that'll be a help to you. There's, there's copies, like I said, out in the foyer. If, if we run out of copies, let me know, and I'll get you a copy. But also, uh, we put it on Facebook this last week, and so uh, you can get it off of there if you'd like to, or just let me know, and I can get you a paper copy. For me, I like to keep it in my Bible so I can check it off every day and know, uh, remember where I'm at. Um, but those are there for you. That's something for you to use. It's a tool for you to spend that time in God's Word. You're also going to have opportunities to pray this year. We're going to give you opportunities for, for uh uh, you know, practicing that, that, that discipline of prayer uh, here as, as a church family, but also giving you tools um, that, to help you in that discipline as well. We're going to equip you uh, to be able to do that, to, to spend intimate times connected with the Lord, uh, just talking to Him, interceding on behalf of others. We're going we're gonna to teach you how to do that. And, and I hope that you're going to spend that time on a daily basis, intimate times with Him, just you and Him, one-on-one. -on -one. One goal, getting closer to him.
But one goal also encompasses sharing the gospel, which basically just means obeying the Great Commission. It was a great commission, not a great suggestion, which means that we are called, we are commissioned, we are commanded to go and do what God has called us to do. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're told that there are 7.7 billion people living in the world this very moment. And if you've ever gone to that live counter of the number of people in the world, it's amazing. It's just, it's like watching the, the numbers as you're pumping gas. It's just rolling higher and higher and higher every second that you watch it. But right now there's somewhere around 7.7 billion people living on earth right now. We're told that 2.18 billion of them claim to have a connection with Jesus Christ. Now, whether that means they have a personal relationship with him, that can be uh, questioned. But Pew Research tells us 2.18 billion claim to be Christians. That means that over 5 billion people are lost and currently headed to an eternity separated from God in hell. Those numbers, 5 billion, that number, I don't know about you, but for me so often, that can be almost numbing to my sensibilities. 5 billion, that's a number that just, it's just a big number. And so that's why I want you to think about a number one, no, another number. I want us to take that, that number, 5 billion, I want us to bring it down to a, a smaller number. I want us to bring it down to the number one. The number one. Because when we think about one, it gets personal, doesn't it? When we think about five billion, it's, it's nameless and it's faceless. But when we think about one, it takes on great significance because we know who the one is, don't we? We know who that one is. Let's take it down to one. There's one person in your life I know that you know and you care about, that you love. And you know at least one person who is lost. If you think about it, you know at least one person. You know at least one family member, you know at least one friend, you know at least one coworker, you know at least one neighbor, you know at least one other parent or grandparent, whoever it may be, who is lost, who you have interactions with through your kids, through your grandkids, through your neighborhood, through your workplace, through, through Walmart. There's one person that you know, and if you were to think about them right now, you can see their face. And you know what it's like to have a conversation with them because you have a relationship with them. I want you to think about that one person right now. Think about that one person. And as you're thinking about them, I want you to picture them. I want their, their face to be in your mind right now. That one person that you know is lost. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Maybe it's your mom, your dad, brother, sister. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your neighbor. Who is that one person? Do you have them in your mind? They too are lost, meaning that they are currently headed to an eternity separated from God in hell. 
Yes, they're part of that five billion, but they're the one that God has placed on your heart tonight. And that's significant. Only one. God has given you one person, and that's a powerful thing. Because now we have a responsibility. Statistics tell us that yes, we know that one, but a majority of us have never shared our faith with one person. So all of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, we know one person who's lost, but we still, many of us have not shared the gospel with even one. Meaning, many of us who have confessed to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to be in a personal love relationship with Him for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years, it means that for all those years, not once have you had a gospel conversation with even one person. Not a family member, not a friend, not a coworker, not a single time have you gone out with the church and you personally have stepped forward and said, no, I'm not going to count on the preacher to do it. I'm not going to count on the Sunday school teacher to do it. I'm not going to count on the deacon who's with me to do it. I'm going to share the gospel. On a mission trip, not once have you stepped out and said, I'm going to be the one to say, do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Not once have you had that conversation. If, if statistics are true, many of us here tonight have not done that. Many people say, well, I don't know how. I, 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 you know, I just, I don't, I don't know, even know where I'd start. Well, we're going to work on that over the next five or six weeks, month, month and a half. We're going to work on that. And we're going to see what we can do to help you to share with your one. Our church will join with other Southern Baptist churches who either have, are, or will be going through this same process of identifying who's your one. Because when it comes to one, it becomes personal. It becomes something that we can deal with, something we can work towards. The one person we're going to reach with the gospel message, no matter what it takes. That's what our goal will be in 2020. I want us to grow closer to the Lord in intimate relationship. And as we do that, for each and every one of us to at least reach our one. We can't guarantee salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can move on hearts. Only he can save souls. But we can be obedient. And we can have a gospel conversation with our one. And so, welcome to 2020, the year of one goal, returning to our first love. Lord, Heavenly Father, tonight, I pray that we would make a commitment. I pray that each of us would make a commitment to be more intimately in love with you. Lord, wherever we're at, Lord, that we would go deeper. Whether we're a person who has been spending intimate time with you on a daily basis, that we would go deeper in that. Or whether we're a person who would say, have to say, honestly, I have to say, Brother Brett, I, I haven't. I haven't made that discipline of, of, of really just carving out time and spending it with Jesus. And I want to do that. I pray that we make those commitments tonight. But Lord, also I pray that as we look at our first love that we would recognize that means obeying your command and that means loving you enough to love others and share the gospel with them and not keeping this amazing promise of relationship with you to ourselves but sharing it with those that we say we care about and so Lord I pray that even now we might each and every one make that commitment starting even now 
to begin to pray about who that one is. And then that process of whatever it takes, getting the gospel to them. Lord, help us to be gut level honest with you and with ourselves about where we're at and about where you want us to be. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.